Welcome to the RevCast, the weekly podcast where we discuss real life issues and how to make sense of the chaotic crazy. And this week, friends, we have a special Holy Week edition. I'm your host, Reverend Daniel Rogers, a.k.a. The Rev, and I brought friends. With us today, and as always, the most lovely, most gifted, and most talented, Miss Amanda Albright. Miss Amanda, I'm so excited about this special Holy Week edition of the Revcast. Tell us, how, how are you spending your Holy Week, and what's different this year for you? Well, Rev, you know, I realized that I saw this question coming and I didn't think about it until this exact moment. Um, So you're catching my unfiltered thoughts. Um, (laughs) I come from a pretty um, evangelical background and I did not grow up in a setting that had a lot of um, liturgy or tradition. And I'm realizing that this week and just kind of the the context of the space that we're in offers me an opportunity to lean into liturgy to lean into like the prayers that are prayed um, as part of traditions around the world and some of those yeah those liturgical practices that other people are doing so I'm going to spend the first half of my holy week exploring those and the second half of my holy week practicing those Um, this is a really special podcast Rev because you are the host as you said before but today you are also the guest and I'm really excited because this gives us a little bit more space to kind of glean from your wisdom so For those of you uh, who maybe don't know, this is Rev's second year at Bellevue Christian. And I remember the very first day that Rev came to Bellevue Christian. It was almost exactly two years ago. We were walking, walking through the office and Mr. DeYoung, Mr. Blake DeYoung pulled pulled me over and said, Amanda, this is Rev, and sent us somewhere to go visit a class and then said that I needed to have Rev back to Mr. Dunning's office by a certain time. And we went walking through the halls and we were talking and I was looking at my watch and thinking, we are not going to get there on time because <laughs> Rev was just <laughs> taking it in, just wandering around. And I initially thought, oh, no, we are not going to make it to Mr. Dunning's office on time. And then I thought, oh, this is good for me. Um, there's a way that Rev lives very um, just like in the present and really paying attention to the people in front of him that I know is really important for me. Um, and I've learned a lot. I started learning that very first day and I've learned a lot since. So I'm super excited that you're our guest, Rev. Super excited. Uh, well, so, it's great to be a part of Bellevue Christian School. And that uh, is both a blessing and a curse of living in the present. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's something that's teaching me a lot. I love it. Uh, so, Rev, how are you celebrating your Holy Week? Well, you know, this is a, a different Holy Week for me because I, I, I'm i kind of a church guy. I love the church and uh, I love my church in particular and I love my pastor. And, you know, I'm I'm used to uh, Holy Week being um, starting with Palm Sunday and get to Monday, Thursday. And we'll usually have a Monday, Thursday service where we take of the Lord's Supper and sometimes even a foot washing and then Good Friday service. Uh, and then we cap it off with celebrating the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And so, you know, it's usually a week of of our church family uh, being together, and and this week's going to be different. We're going to be different. We're going to be together, but we're going to be together in a different way. Uh, and in some ways, that that will help us be even more connected. Uh, Easter morning uh, for me will actually be on a Zoom call where I'll be leading uh, the singles in my church through uh, liturgy, and then we will. 
uh, go on to Facebook Live and hear our pastor preach, and then we'll come back together and finish um, finish our worship together on Zoom. Very different, but you know, I'm very thankful that in the midst of this season that we find ourselves in with the coronavirus and the stay-at-home order, thank God that we have the technology that we have that allows us to still be connected while being safe in our homes. It's really interesting. I think the context shift, the difference is disorienting, right? Like right, uh, right. it's kind of hard for us to figure out a little bit of what's going on. But I also truly believe with all my heart that God has gifts for us in all things. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if this season, if part of the gift of this season is kind of trimming away um, mm-hmm. some of the things that distract us. So that's that's my first question for you is how this season, how this time is setting up the people of God to keep the main thing as the main thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it's a really good question and um, it's really good thought. The season we find ourselves in, I think it has really helped us to to think about what really is important. It brings into clarity what is really important. And you know, when you think about the Holy Week, for instance, and you think about worship in Holy Week, you know what's really important. Well, what's really important is the life of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. You know, and oftentimes in our worship, we get caught up into our uh, preferences of worship. And, you know, I like a large group. I like a theater setting. I like dark background and smoke machines, you know, and uh, and that's, I'm not saying I like those things, but I'm, I'm saying <laughs> hypothetically a person may like those things. Uh, and they, you know, and they really resonate and they find that that's a good environment for them to worship in. But what we're having to do now is we're having to kind of give up some of our preferences and really get to the meat and potatoes of worship, you know. And I think about Jesus's words to the Samaritan woman in John chapter four, that God is spirit and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, and I I think I always think about uh, spirit and in truth being heat and light, that those who worship him, worship him with the heat of the Holy Spirit, that there is, you know, this that we are worshiping him with this passion that comes from the Holy Spirit living within us. Um, and many traditions kind of really camp out on that and they really focus on kind of the spirit filled worship. And then I think about light being truth. And a lot of Christian traditions really focus their worship on just on the Bible and what is true. And here is a, a you know the regulative principle of what the Bible says. This is the way you're supposed to worship, and that's the only way we're going to worship. You know, and I, and it kind of becomes an either or. But the way Jesus talks about it is it's a both and. It's it's heat and light. It's uh it's spirit and truth. And we're able to, I think, during this time, kind of kind of get away from maybe our preferences and really worship God, have a worshipful experience that is both um, from the spirit and being spirit filled, but also rooted in the truth of Scripture as well. Oh, that's really beautiful. I've never thought about spirit and truth in that way. I've never thought about how that applies directly to my life and the the kind of competing values of the way that I worship. That's really Mm. beautiful. Rev, at at our church, we uh, for years have said that we believe 
that we are the church. We don't go to church, right? That the mm-hmm. church is a people. And then we've also said for many years that we believe that profound moments happen in the living room as often as they happen in a cathedral or an auditorium or what have you. That the profound moments where where we really enter into the presence of God and the Holy Spirit of God at work, that can happen in the living room, right? Mm-hmm. And now we're kind of stuck in our living rooms. So now, you know, every Sunday morning, my roommates and I are sitting down and we're watching our church live streaming the service and trying to set ourselves up. So that's my next question for you is how, how do we set up our living rooms for those profound moments? How do I show up and go to church in the living room in a Mm. way that, yeah, really prepares me and my heart and the people that I'm with for worship? Yeah. That is a great question. And I, I think one way to look at it is, oh, this is a challenge. It's challenging because it is outside of my norm. Um, I'm I'm used to getting in my vehicle and going to a worship service where pretty much we become spectators. And that's really not what worship is supposed to be. Worship is is not supposed to be a spectator sport. Um, It it is a participant uh, sport. Uh, It's not really a sport, but we participate in worship. (laughs) We don't spectate in worship. And when, you know, when we're outside of our norm and I'm in my living room, I'm kind of forced to participate. And I think it's good to think about it in terms of that there is the place where we worship on a Sunday, and then there's the church or the people we belong to. And, you know, I it, it's very interesting. I, I actually coach um, a couple of pastors, one in Boston and one in Pittsburgh. And what they're telling me is that many of the churches in their cities uh, many of the older churches and uh, have have actually they've put church on hold. They're not doing anything. And most of those churches own these big, beautiful buildings that are big and beautiful. But what has happened is is those churches have turned into museums. And that group of people exist in order to steward the the building. But God never called the church to be a building or a museum. He called us to be a people, a group of people. And we exist beyond a building um, as followers of Christ and as churches. And so um, worshiping in our living rooms actually is maybe more like what the ancient church was like. You know, if you you think about the ancient church, uh, they didn't have big buildings and big synagogues. Uh, That didn't come uh, until the era of Constantine in the Roman Empire. The church was a group of people, and they met in homes. And so in many ways, what we're doing now is we're going back to kind of the early church. And there's something really exciting and something beautiful about that. You know, and, and the worship we can still do a lot of the same things. You know, we've talked about that you we're giving up maybe some of our preferences. Maybe we're not being uh, that consumer nature of of worship that we we often fall into. 
we're losing a bit of that. And I think about the song, the old uh, worship song, I'm going back to the heart of worship, that it's all about you, Jesus. It's all about you. And and we're having to give up our preferences, but we're going back to what we we're saying is is the important thing about Christ's life, Christ's death, Christ's resurrection. It is really all about him and worshiping him. And that's what really worship is supposed to be. Um, worship is a funny thing in that it we you go into worship with the heart that this is not about me. This is about you, God. But what God does, and this is so beautiful, what God does is he then flips it around. And when we make worship about him, he'll flip it around and make it about us. Like, like it's, it's, it's like when you go to someone and you, and, and you tell them, I love you, but they never say anything back. You know, God's not like that. He always says, I love you too. I love you even more. <laughs> so that's, what's so beautiful about worship. And we can do that in our living rooms, some real practical things that can help us there all kind of resources and many churches are producing resources for people to worship in their homes with uh, order of worship uh, that probably include calls of worship, responsive readings, scripture reading. Um, you know, uh, you can, many, many churches are live streaming their worship services. And, uh, and, and if you get stuck, if any students or families get stuck, they can certainly email me and I can get them in touch with the resources they need to experience uh, worship in their homes together. Well, folks, we're talking Holy Week and worship today. We're going to take a, few, a short break for a few public service announcements. And then when we come back, we'll be talking with BCS Choir and Chapel Worship Director William Tollefson. We'll keep the conversation going about Holy Week and worship in the midst of our chaotic crazy. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Reverend Rogers here, a.k.a. The Rev. And I want to make you high schoolers and junior high students aware of a great opportunity. Are you lonely and in need of connection during this time of social distancing? Are you already hanging out with friends but hoping to make that time more than just sitting around Snapchatting and making TikTok videos? Maybe even make that hangout time purposeful and spiritually meaningful. Well, you need to join a BCS small group. Email smallgroups at bellevuechristian.org and we'll help you organize a group for you and your friends and give you the resources you need to make that hangout time purposeful and spiritually significant. Email us today at smallgroups at bellevuechristian.org. Back to the RevCast, a weekly podcast where we discuss real life issues trying to make sense of the chaotic crazy. I'm your host, the Rev, and we're here with the lovely Miss Amanda Albright. And today on this special Holy Week edition, we're talking about worship. And right now, I want to bring into our conversation my dear friend and colleague, Mr. William Tollefson. William, uh, you are a choir kid, except when you were playing baseball. William, yeah. why don't you uh, why don't you share with us a little bit about yourself and and how you ended up at BCS? 
Well, I, like you said, when I was in high school and, and, and really elementary school, I w- was a choir kid. I was singing soprano. I was a boy soprano when I was a little kid. I was singing harmony when I was still a boy soprano. I was made fun of a lot, and I thought that that was wonderful. Um, <laughs> I was, I kind of belonged to several different social circles in high school, never truly belonging to one of them, which I think can, is relatable to some students in high school, perhaps. I went to college after high school and I I studied music and pre-law. I thought that I wanted to be an attorney, um, but I talked to too many attorneys uh, and discovered that I didn't want to be like that. Attorneys are kind of intense, you know? Oh, yeah. Like, it can be good or bad, but no matter what, if it's good or bad, they are really intense and I'm not that intense. So after a brief foray with law school, I decided that I probably should be a music teacher because that's what I liked doing all the time anyway. I had just been telling myself that there was no way to make a living with it. So I went back to school and um, got a master's degree in teaching choir. And that was last August. And, and here I am. And so I, I'm teaching choir at, and and personal finance and economics at Bellevue Christian. And I um, sing and play the organ on the weekends. And I, lo- I love every minute of it. I get to worship God all the time. William, we are, as Rev said, we're so delighted that you're that you've joined the Bellevue Christian community now and you've joined it both as an accomplished musician and also just as a strong man of faith. And so that's really what our first thing that we wanted to ask you about right now is knowing that you come in with faith and with a strong musical background. How do those two things inform each other? That is a great question with some wonderful symmetry to it. Um, I am naturally a pretty pragmatic and logical person. If I am left to my own devices, I'll do the same thing over and over again. I'll just decide what the best thing to do is, the most logical thing, and then just do it every time. I do a lot of cost-benefit analyses in my decision-making. Shout out to economics class. Um, (laughs) And music is the way that I break out of that cycle of just deciding what is the most economic, prudent thing to do. And I do other things. <laughs> and that aspect of my personality is where my faith lives as well. The, the faith that I have in God informs everything that I do. And when I do music, I am returned to this illogical, amorphous, nonsensical thing that we do as humans, uh, making music, where we create vibrations in the air using our, our biology and nothing but our biology. And it turns into this incredible thing that we all love. And we don't know why we love it. Like scientists do not know why we love choir music so much and why there is something so uniquely calming and inspiring about that art form. And my faith also has particularly recently changed the way that I think about music. I grew up listening to and enjoying all sorts of different types of music. Um, I was not limited to sacred music. I, in fact, got quite annoyed at sacred music a few times in my life. Because um, I was like, that's not cool. And I'm going to, I don't know. Other stuff is great. Um, (laughs) But recently, I've really come back to the notion that we are designed to praise God with our music. Mm. And something as powerful and influential and indescribable and inexplicable as music, I now think really ought to be used to praise God. And if it is not being used to praise God, like what often happens if it's used to praise ourselves or talk about how great we are, that's really not what it was designed for. (laughs) I, I think that, that that idea of worshiping God really is culminated in the choir experience, or that's that's where I experience it more than anything else, because singing in a choir is a sacrament. It is an exercise in recognizing your contribution to something that is bigger than yourself. 
which is such a beautiful act of worship. In in a choir, it's the choir is the bigger thing, right? Whereas when you're worshiping God and when you're thinking about your place in God's plan, God's plan for your life, it is also an exercise in thinking about how you fit into that, but it is not about you. It is about what God is doing. It is about what this community of faith is doing. It is not about how you feel at that particular moment. It is not about whether you are having what you like for dinner, or if this is your favorite song, or if you even like this song, it is about what God is doing through his people. And I think that is beautifully, it's a beautiful metaphor that we have in singing as a choir. Yeah, thank you, William, for sharing that. The word that comes to mind as you were talking through and describing that experience, the words that came to mind were humility and submission. The idea that people making music together have to submit to each other, they have to submit to the to the rhythm of the song that they're singing, they have to submit to the key that they're singing, and together through that mutual submission and that joint humility, they create something really beautiful. It's a really beautiful picture and a unique picture, I think, of what it means to be a person of faith and what it means to worship God. As we were getting ready to chat with you, we were thinking about the context in which we find ourselves and how when you look throughout history, you see that times of suffering and turmoil and uncertainty are oftentimes that yield really beautiful art, and music is no exception to that. Uh, we were thinking about how the Psalms um, come out of places of suffering, right? We were thinking about how the music that came out of American slavery exhibits faith and hope in a really unique way. I often think of the psalm by, Her- or the, sorry, the hymn by Horatio Spafford, It Is Well With My Soul, and know that that mm-hmm. song was written out of this place of extreme grief. So we just wanted to ask you, as you look back through history and you think back through time, what connections can you make today between today and between previous times of suffering? Oh, man. Thank you for introducing that idea. That's so true. Um, And you're right about the Psalms. The Psalms are so good and full of wisdom in a way that is hard to talk about. They express things that I often have a hard time expressing, and I keep coming back to them every time I come back to them. And I will read a part of the Psalm one time, and I will think, that doesn't make any sense. What weird wording. (laughs) I, I do not connect with that. And then I'll read that same thing three days later, and I will think, wow. I could not have expressed that in that same way. This last Sunday, we we chanted at St. Mark's the 130th Psalm, which starts with, out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, hear my voice. And I hadn't paid special attention to out of the depths as a phrase before, because I thought that it just sounded kind of, I don't know, like something out of a novel, out of the depths. But that is the perfect way to describe how I am crying to the Lord right now, out of the depths. Not just of, I'm in the depths right now, We are in the depths as a society, but I'm crying to you in the deepest part of my heart. Lord, hear my voice. Mm. And churches throughout history have beautiful and wonderful ways of expressing the Psalms together. We we chant them at the cathedral in an Anglican chant style. So there is written music for the Psalm, but there's no rhythm. So everybody has four-part harmony that they are singing. Everybody's singing their part. But everybody has to just watch and listen to each other to know when to change words. There's no conductor. There's no rhythm. We just all have to sing together and feel it. And there's so much power in that. We didn't have this question initially written down, William, but it's occurring to me as we're talking through here. So I'm going to ask it. What, like in this time as a music teacher, as um, from your both a music teacher and a like lover of music, um, is there anything that you would point people to that might be helpful for them in both worship and in kind of processing this time and uh, living, living as flourishing people within, the, within this time? I think that music has 
a really powerful ability to express things even when we feel like doing nothing. And I think that we are often tempted to abandon the things that we love most or the things that we know are the most important things that we're doing when we feel this malaise of sadness. And I think this particular situation, because it's it's affecting some of us really deeply and profoundly, but for most of us, I think a malaise of sadness is a really good description of it. Like we're generally not happy that we can't go outside, but you know, it's not ruining my life in particular. It, it's not fun. And in these moments, it is so important to let music speak on our behalf to God if you are a musician. Paul writes to the Romans, he's talking about when he doesn't know what to say. He says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And I really like imagining those wordless groans as somebody who doesn't know anything about music, or or me, or a musician, making music in some way to express to God what they are feeling, and let, letting those be the spirits, uh, letting those be the spirit communicating in wordless groans for you. So don't back away from music because you feel the malaise of sadness. Don't let that stop us from creating art to worship God. This is the time when it is most important to create art to worship God because the people around us need it. And if you have, if God has given you the gift of making that music, now is the time to make it louder and if appropriate, angrier and if appropriate, sadder or happier than you have ever made it before. Hmm. William, that's, that's so good. I, you know, I think about the scriptures and the scriptures exemplify exactly what you're talking about. You know, um, there is not a human emotion that we experience that you can't find in the scriptures and particularly in the Psalms, the Lamentations. So, man, that's so good. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you for joining us this week, man. It's been great to have you, William. It's been my pleasure. So much fun talking to you guys. And thank you for doing this show. It's really helped keep me sane. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Making sense of the chaotic crazy. This has been so good. Miss Amanda, what are we talking about on the Revcast next week? Yeah, next week, Rev, we're going to bring in a couple of voices from our community to talk with us about how to continue to build our culture and serve the people around us in the midst of this time in the midst of a stay home order and in the midst of not getting together, gather together as a school. Well, that'll be another great time. Friends, thanks for tuning in to the Revcast. I pray that all of you will have a wonderful spring break and Holy Week. And we'll see you back here next week where we will discuss real life issues and making sense of all the chaotic crazy. Until next time, the Lord bless you and keep you. Don't do anything that we wouldn't do. Have clean hands and a clean heart. Remember, we love you. And, and Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you. you even more. Even more. <laughs>